0: Hi, it's Chef Barry Daycake from Barry's Downtown Prime.
1: Hi, my name is Tiffany Stiles and I'm the owner of Tiabi Coffee and Waffle.
0: Hi, my name is Will Statton. I'm the founder of Craven Creole and you are listening to Two Sharp Chefs.
1: What's up,
2: chefs, hospitality family, foodies? You're listening to Two Sharp Chefs in a Microphone. I'm Lorraine Moss chef and journalist. And I'm Louie
1: Victa, chef and professional food photographer. Thanks for joining us. We started this podcast in June 2019 to honor Anthony Bourdain, a fellow chef who gave us all a better understanding of different cultures and people through his daring food adventures.
2: We're here to expand the dialogue. We're two chefs cooking up raw, honest conversations about chef life, food, and the hospitality industry. So come on in. You can sit with us. Hello, Louie. Hurrah. Louie. We are talking to a man in meat today. Creekstone Farms, Kirk Doran, a wonderful meat company. Really interesting to us that they're really concerned about animal, humane animal treatment. Um, So that's near and dear to our hearts. And because we are talking meat today, for pandemic provisions, we are talking our favorite pork cuts i will go ahead and start real quick i like guanciale (laughs) which comes from the italian word guancia which means pillow or cheek so of Mm -hmm. course the guanciale comes from the jowls of the pig um the reason why i love it is because it's super fatty <laughs> Super salty and crazy delicious. So when you put it in your pan, it renders down with like whatever pasta you're using or whatever you want to use. Honestly, you could put it in your eggs if you want to. Um, but it like kind of just gets in there and just gets mm. all sexy like in your sauce and makes it salty and delicious. Um it's you know, kinda like bacon, but Better, like a smoother, saltier. Believe it or not, <laughs> um, taste. Louie, what's your fave pork
1: cut? I'm going to show off my Asian pride here. I'm gonna go with trotters. Trotters, and I'm going to talk about like some awesome offals because offals are not really that awful. They're actually really good. So the trotter, pork feet, pork legs available at any agent store near you um cut in half and then um into um both segments they're great when grazed pressure cooked slow cooked it releases all the collagen and all those like nice stick to ribs kind of like um feelings there's also the pig ears that people kind of like deep fry a lot of time nursery. Yeah, but they're great. They're great. You know, they turn their noses, but they're they're actually very very amazing. And um, like as far as like pork, you know, the organ meats. Uh, I know that some people are not that adventurous, but just be open because uh, more often than not, the offals are actually more nutritious than your regular pork cuts.
2: And another awesome thing about eating the offals, eating pork trotters, like. Things that people don't normally eat is that you're not wasting the pig. So Mm-mm, if you're every going part to sacrifice an animal life, eat the entire thing. Louis, we are discussing meat today with our new friend, Kirk Doran from Creekstone Farms. Um, super awesome company that serves so many restaurants here in Vegas. From Soul Belly Barbecue to uh, the upcoming Brezza to Border Girl, another... Company I used to work for, um, Echo and Rig, Golden Steer, Berries, Downtown
0: Prime—pretty much
2: everybody that's been on the podcast already, Louie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're super excited. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Kirk.
0: Thanks. Thank you for having me. Um, like I told you before, I'm a huge fan, so I'm pretty excited to be on with you guys. So thanks so much.
2: Yay! We love not to hear that you're. Our, yeah, you're our first purveyor. Believe it or not, that's uh, awesome. We usually stick with chefs because you know that's our deal—chef to chef deal—but You are also a chef, so you totally fit into the category. Um, You're like us. You've gone from chef life to something else that's a form Mm -hmm. of it because you're using your knowledge from before. Um, So let's start there because we're very interested um, because Louis and I are pretty new to transitioning from primarily chef life to other lives. Louis into photography and video production and food styling and food recipes nowadays and me into like more back into media, um, writing and like going back into hosting and stuff. So for you, what was that moment? What was that? Um, almost like the straw that broke the camel's back that moved you from chef life into your new life.
0: I can tell you the exact moment. Um, I actually, uh, was working. Oh, probably another 17, 18 hour shift. We came home about two o'clock in the morning, and my two-year-old son uh, Nick was sitting up watching Cartoon Network, and I, I sat down on the side of his bed, and I said, "Hey, buddy, what are you, what are you doing up this late?" And he looked at me with tears in his eyes, and he said, "Daddy, you don't you don't have to work tomorrow, do you?" And I said, "No, I don't." And I got up in the morning and I called my meat purveyor, and I said, "Hey, Darren, I start with you on Monday," and he said, "Come on down," and that's how I made the shift. So it was all about it was all about family.
2: That Mm -hmm. is dramatic.
0: Yeah. That's how it really happened.
2: (laughs) Um, so on that vein, there must be some stuff you miss about chef life. What was the best thing about being a pro chef?
0: I do. I, I, you know what? I still miss, I miss, you know, being in the weeds on a Friday night, you know, with the guys and the gals on the line and, and just, you know, a a stream of tickets coming out of the printer and just going to it. I really miss that. Right. You, you, you kind of, that's in you right when you're a chef and, uh, you know, I miss that part of it. But the great part about my job now is that I'm in I'm in restaurants with chefs every day. So, you know, there's still that camaraderie and that kind of thing. And I'm I'm still back there on the line talking with the guys. I'm just not in the heat of the battle, so to speak, mm-hmm. on on a Friday night, you know, and I do miss that for sure.
2: Louie, I'd like to ask you, what is your um your biggest thing that you miss about the day in, day out of the 40, 50, 60 hour chef life?
1: That the adrenaline rush really Mm. like and then you know your your body's like um more conditioned to like work at night for dinner service yeah so like my my whole day like i'm i i try to be a morning person as much as i can but Mm -hmm. like usually like i'm in my prime during like two to like 11 Mm -hmm. and then a little bit more right that's that's how i've I've been like uh, operating yeah for the longest time and then yeah. after that, like I took like a you know a, a non chef job. I took like a little video job, and it I missed it so much. It was like actually making me really crabby to not be yes, yes. able to you know like sling the dishes and and, and make yeah. the meals and all that. Because now I'm like understanding like okay, I do miss the adrenaline rush. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah.
0: For sure, I
2: think I think Brew Baker said that to us. Also, little mm-hmm. Posto, um, she mm-hmm. definitely was like getting mad, like yeah. angry, like I need some like meanness, yeah. and some, like. And on that line for me, it's like I miss, and this is hilarious. I miss the chef talk, <laughs> <laughs> because like yeah. it's, it's you know there's only so many times you can say like behind or chingadera to your husband, um, <laughs> oh, wow. and it's just like I miss the whole like fun, dirty, sexy, annoying, bitchy talk of the kitchen. Because when you talk to regular people like that, they think you're freaking like an asshole.
0: I was at Home Depot, I don't know, a week or so ago. And, and, um, there was a guy coming down the aisle and I was trying to get something I, right behind you. And the guy was mm-hmm. like, looked at me like I like was why? crazy. Like, <laughs> it just was natural for me. right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: right. Well, cause you don't want to make a mistake or hurt somebody or have someone right. hurt you. It's just like, yeah, it's funny. But anyways, we digress. But yeah. uh, that was just an interesting thought. So did you get your quality of life post-chef life that you were hoping for more time with the kid, more family for, time?
0: For sure. When I, when I, uh, when I transitioned from, from the kitchen to selling meat, um I worked for a local meat company here for a few years before um, being recruited to work for Creekstone. and um, you know it's definitely much better now that I'm with Creekstone. Um, you know it's kind of funny, I travel a lot for work, so because I handle quite a few states and and people always say to me, "Well you know, what quality of life is that when you're traveling so much?" But you know it, it's it, it's honestly much better than when I was a chef. I do travel quite a bit, but it's early in the week. You know, I'm home on the weekends. I'm usually home by Thursday, Um, but it's just, you know, there's more quality time. It's not just about time with the kids. It's about quality time with the kids. And, um, and yeah, I just, I I absolutely love it. I I adore the job and and I work for amazing people.
2: You've been with the premium beef company for seven years now. Um, We want to ask you as chefs. Do you feel like it makes it, it it makes it easier for you as a chef to sell to chefs because you're not just like a salesperson out there. You know meat, you know, cooking.
0: Yeah, certainly. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't really can consider myself um, a salesman. Um, I'm more a consultant um, Mm -hmm. in, in the restaurant business. So working with amazing chefs and, and, you know, Creekstone is such a high quality product and such a consistent product that it sells itself. You know, my, my goal is to get it in the chef's mouth and more times than not they're going to buy it because mm-hmm. of the quality and the consistency of the product. You know, it's Nicole Brisson is a great example. You know, I visited with her on, on multiple occasions um, when she was at the Venetian and, and she was pretty happy with what she was doing. And so, you know, it was, I'm here when you're ready. I'm here when you're ready. And then finally, you know, she, she, she liked the beef, got her out to our, our farms and, and out to our plant. And, and, and that was it. She was, she was hooked for life. And, and, you know, as far as being a salesman, I don't, you know, I, I kind of see salesman as like a used car salesman, right? Right. Not that, not, there's not that there's not a place for that, but, um, I'm more a consultant, I think. I mean, I get more questions about, What's going on with the beef market, with pricing and cattle and those kinds of things than I do uh, about true beef items. So um, yeah, more of a consultant.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: What makes Creekstone Farms stand out?
0: Wow. Well, I can I can talk for hours about beef and, and what makes us different. But um, you know, the key points of what Creekstone is versus um some of the other branded beef programs out there is. the the important things are that we are a verifiable and traceable genetic black Angus beef company. So we don't base our, our animals on the hide color of the animal Um, it's based on the true genetics of the animal. So there's some other branded beef programs that say if we're 51% black hide on the animal, it'll go through our program. Um, There's a lot of beef programs that are, are what they call sort programs where you're bringing, you know, Four or 5,000 head of cattle through the plant, and you're sorting them down based on on, different aspects of the animal. Where we sort them before they come to our plant. So we're buying our cattle, um, sourcing our cattle from small family owned farms all in the Midwest, all raised and grazed in the United States, and based on the genetics of the animal. So they're sorted and hand selected before they even come to our plant. Um, So we're not grabbing a whole bunch of cattle. And then trying to decide which ones go into what program, if that makes any sense. Mm, totally. Okay. So, yeah. And, and, you know, other aspects of, of what we do, you know, we're a closed loop facility. So the only cattle that are in our plants are Creekstone's animals. Um, so we're not we're not co-packing and 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 doing uh, fabrication on animals for other entities. Uh, strictly for us, um, we're very boutique and small. By boutique, we're only doing about seventy five hundred head of cattle a week uh, to some people that may sound kind of large, but, um, you know, the big four packers are doing upwards of 160,000 head each per week. And we're doing Huge 75. Difference. Yeah. Significantly different. And then probably the most important aspect of what we do is our humane animal treatment. Um, when it comes to humane animal treatment, there's, there's nobody in the industry that's better than, than, than Creekstone and what we do. Um, and that's a whole nother podcast to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but in a nutshell, um, you know, we are, if you're familiar with Dr. Temple Grandin, um, she actually designed Creekstone's facility. Hmm. So, you know, huge feather in our cap, right? She's consultant on almost probably every major beef facility in the country. And she actually designed our facility with, you know, humane animal treatment in mind. And And the most important message that I can get out there about that is that not only is it it make for a greater eating experience um, when you have a less stressed animal, but it's also the right thing to do for the animal. We are truly stewards of the animal. um, And I think that shows in everything that we do.
2: So Louie and I actually talk about this quite a bit, and we did talk about it on the podcast with Nicole Brisson as well. Um, She did mention um, that that was one of the features that she looks for. Um, Mm -hmm. and that it was a big deal that that's part of the reason why she uses Craigstone. Um, you know, we're big believers in humane animal treatment, not only because we want to be good human beings, which is an important thing. Um, but also because let's get down to it. It's the flavor as a consumer, as a chef, Mm -hmm. as someone who wants to give a beautiful and tasty product to, um, the people that we serve. So, um, If we can talk just a little bit about that, because you're more of an expert than we are in that, um, you know, it's sometimes a discussion that like regular people on the street don't want to have because they're just like, don't tell me where the meat comes from. But (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like also that we're in a time period, especially with the younger people, maybe a little bit younger than us that are very interested in that aspect of it. And they want to know where everything comes from, their meat, their plants, their whatever, their lotion, you know, Um, which is smart. I mean, in all honesty, because who knows what's happened to us over the years, like and all the crazy stuff that's gone onto and in our bodies. So um, talk to us a little bit about that, about um, the taste, the flavor um, that you can sometimes I think a lot of people believe that you can taste a bad slaughter or bad animal treatment. You,
0: mm-hmm. you, you certainly can. You certainly can. Um, one of the things one of the I mean, you know, when when an animal is stressed, you know, its adrenaline's going to be pumping, and it's going to be forcing blood through those muscles a little quicker. Um, you can get what they call capillary rupture. So, if you've ever been in the grocery store or a butcher shop and you see that steak that's got those little red dots in it, right? That's capillary mm-hmm. rupture, where those those blood capillaries are starting to burst because that animal's scared or stressed, right? Yeah. Um, in addition, if you've ever gone to the grocery store or the butcher shop and you see that steak that is like that really really dark red color. Right. That's Mm -hmm. a stressed animal as well. And if you've ever eaten that steak, you can certainly tell that 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 was a stressed animal has a little bit more of an organy type of a flavor to it um, because it's forcing that, you know, that blood is rushing. Yeah. Um, And 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 again, it's the it's the wrong thing to do for the animal to stress the animal out. But the the distress not only happens at at harvest, at slaughter, but, you know, if you have a if you have an animal that's been sitting on a truck for three days. Or you know those kinds of things. Animals can certainly get stressed all the way through the process. So we're we're very particular in the small family-owned ranchers that we use, um, the the trucking companies that we use. Um, we don't. If you've ever driven through the Midwest, you'll see some of those ranches out there, those those feedlots and those slaughterhouses that they have animals sitting out outside the facility. You know they'll have you know 50,000 head, and basically in a parking lot. Um, That's stressing the animal out there in the, they're in the elements and those kinds of things. Um, What we do at Creekstone is they come off, they're on, they're on truck the the shortest amount of time possible. Um, They come into our facility. The truck actually pulls into our facility and unloads the cattle inside the facility. So they're not staged outdoors in the elements. Um, We have um, about 50 head per pen versus Mm -hmm. the big guys that are doing three times that per pen. Um, we've graded the floor. So the animals don't slip and fall fresh water in every pen. Uh, we have a climate controlled system that actually simulates rain and it will rain down on the animals and and kind of calm them down. And, and -hmm. you talk about Nicole, when she was out at the plant, um, there was actually, we actually had to get up on the catwalk and walk over the animals so she could see them because they were actually laying down sleeping about 10 minutes before they were going to harvest. So, I mean, that really drove it home Ooh, for her. Right. And so that's what we're looking for, right? We're looking for the most humane animal treatment from not only from what we're doing, but from our partners on the rancher side, um, as well as the the shipping side and, and the, the feeding and finishing side as well.
2: Um, just one more thing about humane animal treatment. Um, if you could kind of explain to us a little bit about being certified humane, as yeah, opposed absolutely. to calling yourselves a humane animal you know, facility, yep. what absolutely. makes you certified and, and why is that better?
0: Yeah. So, so what we do is, so we have, we have two different programs at Creekstone. We have a conventional beef program and we have a certified humane program, which is our all natural never, never program. So our program is a never, never program. So never any antibiotics, never any hormones, the entire life of the animal, um, all vegetarian fed, um, and so we had a big enough call from our customer base um, that they wanted a sort certif- certification that showed that we were we were uh, certified humane. So we certify our all natural program. Um, currently, our our conventional program is not certified humane, but we don't change anything in how we t- we treat the animals. They're, they're exactly the same. There is a significant cost to being certified. Um, so imagine. we decided to certify that the, the, all natural side, um, you know, it's anywhere from a thousand to, to 2,500 head a week of all natural versus, you know, the 6,000 head per week um, of the, of the conventional, but we don't treat those animals any different. So yeah. if that makes any sense, Um it totally it is very yes. costly. And that, and that cost would be, would be passed on to the consumer at some point too. So we kind of right. wanted to keep it as, as best we can. So what we do is, um, we have a a third party audit that comes in and audits the entire system front to back um, on how we're treating the animals. And then they are the ones who issue uh, the certification um, that says that we are following all these protocols. Um, and again, you know, with with Temple Grandin being the one that designed the facility, um, that is, I mean, certainly the 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 peak of the industry when it comes to sort of, certif- you know, to certifying um our humane animal treatment for sure. Mm -hmm.
2: So you talked a little bit about looking at the meat. um, And I think there's so many foodies in this audience as well as professional hospitality chefs and people. So foodies, they would like to know, you know, how do they look for that great cut of steak? Like what are some signs that it's not good? What are some signs that it's great? You know, obviously the marbling can be a huge thing.
0: Certainly. Certainly. Obviously the marbling is the number one thing, right. With the grade. Um, what I like, what I always looked for was, um, that, you know, the trim levels were right. They were what I expected them to be. Um, you know, if, if you're a chef and you're paying for a, you know, a quarter inch trim on your New York strip, you shouldn't be getting three quarters of an inch, right. Cause it's money lost as right. well as I'm looking for a nice, uh, a tight loin where it's not loose, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to look for purge in the bag as well. So purge would tell you that it was possibly frozen previously, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or maybe got a little close to that, that, that temperature zone where you don't want to be. It also can mean a lower grade of animal as well. Um, Mm -hmm. If that, you know, you I'm sure you guys as chefs have seen that, that strip loin or that ribeye loin that is like really loose, right? It feels real. Mm Real, I just call it a sloppy, a sloppy loin, right? That's sloppy what I meat.
2: call it. Like it gave meat, up on right? life. It really is. It really yeah. is.
0: And and so that's what I've always looked at: um, marbling, nice tight loin, good trim level, um, and then pricing after that. The reason why a grocery store can sell you a prime porterhouse and it'll, you can take it home and cook it and it'll never be as good as the one at the steakhouse. There's two reasons. One, you got a chef cooking it for you. Two is age on the meat, right? So grocery stores notorious for, for not aging their meat because they want them to be able to sit in that case with that nice ruby red color for as long as possible, because Mm. people that are shopping are shopping with their eyes, right? They're not looking at a fully cooked product and they see that ruby red, nice Steak, and they say that's my steak, and it'll never eat as well as the one at the steakhouse because they don't age it. And age is probably the most important thing that I talk to chefs about when discussing meat.
2: What is like your like must-have, can't-miss Creekstone product? Because I actually just want to know, not because I want you to. Sell.
0: Um, you
2: know that's uh, well, that's personally, a personally for you.
0: Personally, um, I probably cook more burgers than anything else at really? home. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy to ship to the house and that kind of thing. Right. So I do, I do a lot of burgers at the house. Uh, We do a lot of entertaining, you know, we like to entertain at the, at the house and we sit outside by the pool and we barbecue and, and it's typically burgers. Um, you know, we have 15 people over the house. I'm not typically cooking 15, you know, prime rib steaks, but, um, I, I am a big ribeye fan, um, Big Creekstone burger fan. I, I'm a fan of the flat iron, to be honest with you. Um, and yeah, those, those are my go-tos for sure. Ribeye and burger. Probably.
2: Awesome. Um, I've been stalking your Instagram. Cause that's what I do. Oh, and
0: great!
2: Do you like your big green egg or do you love your big green egg?
0: <laughs> I, I, big love egg? My, I love my big green egg. And I'll tell you the main reason why I love my big green egg because Nicole Brisson sold it to me and she gave me (gasps) a hell of a deal.
2: (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, it was, it
0: was in her, it was in her garage and, and, you know, I was posting about big green eggs and she says, Hey, I have one. If you're interested and you know, the rest is history, but we just recently did some pizzas on it, which came out incredible.
2: So we're going to move on to our show and tell segments and Kirk, we're hoping for something, but what do you actually have for us?
0: You know what? It, it's kind of, I was racking my brain trying to think of something that I could show. And there's nothing really for my job that I could really do show and tell for, unless you wanted to see, you know, my suitcase. Cause I travel a lot. Um, <laughs> but it's typically just my suitcase and my phone, but, um, I can show you a little personal what? item. That's my baby right there. What? My hockey stick, so okay. I'm a huge, huge hockey fan. Um, yes, I am a Golden Knights.
1: Yay. season Ticket holder.
0: Um, I was actually the second season ticket holder for Golden Knights. As, wow. well, as well as a Silver Knights season ticket holder as well. Nice. Um, but I've been a Pittsburgh Penguins fan for Ooh, about 35 years. Ooh. I do support the Knights, but I don't know what I'm going to do if the Penguins ever make it to the Cup against the Knights. <gasps> that would be bad, but there, I got my Penguins on my oh. own. For oh, life. Wow.
1: <laughs>
0: Very cool. So I guess that's my only show and tell. And that has nothing to do with beef, but no. hockey and beef, that's my life. Hockey
1: and beef. <laughs>
2: That's a combination we haven't heard before, so I love it. It's unique. All right, Lou, get your timer ready. We're going to move on to On The Fly. On The Fly. Two Sharp Chefs, that's 60 seconds. Rapid-fire questions like a chef on the line. Kirk, are you ready? Just give the first answer that comes to your mind. Got it? Go for it. All right, Lou, timer? And here we go. Thing you miss most about California?
0: Uh, The beach
1: thing you love most about Vegas?
0: Um, everything's open, 24 hours.
1: Favorite golf course?
0: Oh, uh, Cascada.
1: Your go-to beer?
0: Uh, any really dank IPA.
1: Ah, oh, IPA
2: guy.
0: Dream place to travel and eat? Um, love Carlsbad, California. And mm. there's a, a hotel we go to there, and there's a little Mexican place right next door. And I couldn't tell you the name of it, but it's amazing.
2: Hole in the Wall Mexican restaurant.
1: Louis, go. Uh, your Big Green Egg Grilling soundtrack.
0: Soundtrack? Oh, meaning music? Yeah. Um, any, anything heavy or The Beatles? Best binge watch? Uh, Walking Dead.
1: Oh!
0: Can I get in under the alarm?
1: We <laughs> got a couple more questions. Go ahead, Lou. Your favorite steak cut.
0: Ribeye.
2: Bone-in. Yes, for sure. That's me too. Choose only one forever. Bacon or sausage?
0: Uh, bacon.
1: Mm, correct. And Louie. Correct. Last one, but most important one
0: name us one blackmailable fact about you blackmailable oh wow holy smokes that's tough (laughs) um oh i don't know blackmail
2: or just like you know something that's very unusual or unique that normal people that know you wouldn't know right
0: about you Mm -hmm. um i love the show friends that kind of is weird. random. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's totally weird. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> um, all right. Last thing, let's sell it for Creekstone Farms. Whatever you want. This is your time. What do you want people to know?
0: Um, highest quality beef you can buy. Um, humane animal treatment we discussed, small family-owned farms. We hand select every animal. Um, believe that or not, absolutely true. Uh, genetic black Angus beef from small family-owned farms all in the Midwest, closed loop facility. Um, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. That's what we do. Get it in your mouth. You'll love it.
1: Do we, do we just go online and order your products or?
0: Great great question. So, so we do have, um, you can visit our website, creekstonefarms.com. Um, and we do have an e-com, um, available there. You can, you can order to have it shipped direct to your house. Um, or you can go to some of your best steak houses and, and burger spots in, in, in Vegas or, or throughout the country for, for that matter um, mm. but yeah you can you can do e-comm as well our e-comm business actually exploded during um, during COVID I so can imagine we've kind of mastered the e-comm thing now so I uh, do have quite a few people that that I push that way um, during the weeks um, and we deliver direct to your front door if need be
2: so awesome yeah, or go to awesome. Soul Belly, or go to, go to coming up for or sure go to like a million places in Summerlin on the strip downtown you're everywhere
0: all over the place
2: it's amazing thank you so much kirk we're really excited to have you
0: you guys thank you so much and and thank you for having me i really appreciate it and congratulations on all your success and uh can't wait to hear the next one
2: thanks for listening to two sharp chefs in a microphone if you like what you've heard please like
1: share and subscribe we stream new episodes every other Monday. We love hearing from everybody. So please get social with us on Instagram at Two Sharp Chefs, on Facebook at Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.
2: Plus, check out my cooking blog at fromchefwithlove.com and Louie's amazing photography at LouisVicta.com. It's been a pleasure. We're 86 till next time.